to another episode of Walk With Drew. Thank you guys for joining me. On this episode, we're talking to yet another entrepreneur. This time we're talking to Crystal Harrell. She's a marketing expert and entrepreneur, uh, owner of Miss Business. Crystal, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having good. me. I'm good. I'm excited to have you. Like I was telling Crystal before we got on that I've been following her for a little under a year, probably beginning of this pandemic that I started to follow her. And um, I just loved her business acumen and what she was doing and the products that she was creating and just getting like the wisdom and the insights. So I was just like, I have to have her on the podcast. So thank you for joining me. I'm excited. Thank you. So if you could kind of give give my, my audience an a introduction, a brief introduction of who you are and, and where you're from. Sure. So I have been living in Charlotte for 12 years. I'm originally from Columbia, South Carolina. Shout out to the Metro. If anybody who's watching is from the Met, what's good? Um, I, I love. Look, I rep. I rep Carolina. I, 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 I knew a girl. I knew a. I know a girl, and she was like eight oh three to met. She's from Columbia. She's like eight oh three to met. I, I always joke at her. So when you said that, I just bust out laughing. Yeah, that's what's good. Yes. Yes. So. Um, I spent 12 years running a marketing company here in Charlotte, and throughout the past year and a half, I've transitioned to create productivity products and software tools for entrepreneurs. So I'm really excited about this new space of business that um, that I'm entering. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, that's dope. I, we're definitely going to get into talking about the your creator your productivity products. So first, we talked about. Well, I, I said the word pandemic earlier. So we've been in a pandemic for the past year. Can you talk to me a little bit about like how you've had to transition or pivot, if any, during this pandemic? Yeah, you know, I'm so grateful that. Um, so I'm very uh, spiritual. I don't consider myself a super religious person, but I'm very Mm -hmm. spiritual. And um, towards the fourth quarter of 2019, I began to transition out of running my marketing company. And so like I had really prayed about some next steps that I wanted to take and, you know, really ask God to just guide me and give me direction. Um, I have always wanted to pursue this idea of building this business. Anyone who knows who has known me in Charlotte, they've never known what my company name was. They've never known really what I do in business. They just tell people like she does something in marketing, but (laughs) they always knew that um, Miss Business, like they always heard me communicate that or say, even if they didn't know the extent of it, um, just I've always talked about Miss Business. And so uh, towards the end of 2019, I said, you know, I, I always say like a Drake line, the moment I stop having fun with it, I'll be done with done it. Done with it, right. I was just over um, the routine of what I was doing, the service-based business. And so um, towards the end of night, 2019, I started to make a lot of business changes. And so when the pandemic happened, and sorry guys, if I have like a little list, I have my aligners in, I'm trying to get a perfect smile. I can hear it. So <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out. So people were like, why are oh, you talking about that? <laughs> um, but when the pandemic came, I had already made so many different moves in business that I wasn't affected uh, from a work mm. standpoint. Um, and I, I wasn't affected financially like some other people because I listened to that voice inside of me the previous year. So I was more prepared, um, even though I didn't know what I was preparing for. Uh, what I can say, though, 
a lot of things that did change, like the service-based work, um, that decreased dramatically, but it didn't bother me as much because I had already replaced that income uh, from 20, at the end of 2019 going into March of 2020. So I'd already replaced my old income, so I didn't feel the hit, uh, but I know that a lot of my peers and, and my colleagues did. Yeah, that is, talk about that for an institute. Like that must be like some type of entrepreneurial type of instinct to already prepare, you know, before before something even hits to prepare for to prepare if something happens. Like you said, you replace your old income before you even, you know, before the pandemic even hit. Like just talk about the the entrepreneurial instinct that must take. I, I believe that's instinct and God as well, but that instinct just to, to just to be able to be multifunctional like that. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me it's more spiritual based than it is entrepreneurial. Uh, I had one of the worst financial years of 2019. So when I did make that pivot, uh, it was because I had a really bad, um, I had a really bad financial oh, okay. year. Um, and okay. I was coming off of a failed partnership at a failed partnership for nine months. I took a leap of faith in my entrepreneurial journey, my business business ownership and decided to go into a partnership. It lasted nine months and it was a failure. And so coming off of that, um, I experienced a lot of financial hardship. And so when I made the shift, um, well, when I was making the shift in 2019 and finally had planted my, my, my feet and found, um, I found stable ground towards the 2019, that was just me already coming off of a hardship. So okay. I was going into the year, um, not necess necessarily preparing for the worst, but I was just, I, I was just trying to put myself in a better position. Word, word, word. Okay. But what I can say, you know, I tell people that whenever you are on your entrepreneurial journey, that you have to have a center and you have that, that center is so important so that when you have chaos around you, you right. go back to your center. And for me, my center is my faith. It's always been my faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. Mm -hmm. And I, I stick with that. So when the world is crumbling, I'm not because my center is solid. Right. And that yeah, and has been on the journey. Right. And I think that's very important. Always having a foundation, just always having something to come back to. So I definitely relate to that a lot. So you you talked about your your business, Miss Business. Where did that that, that where did that phrase come from? When did people start calling you that? You know, I can't pinpoint exactly when, but I know that it became a nickname from my friends because of I've, they've always known me as an entrepreneur. That has always been my identity. It's how I grew up in, in uh, South Carolina. And so I was always an entrepreneur. And I remember um, it just sticking with me. And so I just, I guess, took ownership of it and decided, um, I want to say maybe 2010-ish, um, I, I used to blog. So I had a blog, this business blog. And I just kind of ran with the name, but I wasn't clear on exactly the type of business that I wanted to create, but I love the name and knew that, you know, I wanted to um, build a brand from it. And so that's the path that I'm on now is building out the Miss Business brand. Yeah, that, it's perfect. And it suits you well. And kind of getting into my, my next question, y'all, if you did not know, like Crystal's story is crazy. You started a business when you were 13. I saw it says a pajama business at 13. Talk about starting a business at 13. Like what, what headspace? Like where did you get the idea, the inspiration from all that? 
Yeah, so growing up in the South, in South Carolina, yard sales, garage sales, and flea markets are really, really popular. Like that's the thing that you do on Saturday. And so I would get um, tables at the flea market. I would set up in, um, in front of my grandparents' driveway and I would sell my own old belongings. And I did that like maybe age nine and 10 and 11. I did it. I, 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 it was such a common natural thing for me to do to earn um, extra money. I come from a family that totally believes in the phrase money don't fall from trees. Right. So, you know, I would be asking a lot and I would get it. I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I definitely grew up very spoiled. Um, so if I asked for things, I would get it. But I loved having my own money. Um, and my mom, she started a pajama business or a, sorry, she started a handbag company and she began selling her handbags on eBay. And so I was just really attracted to this new thing that I saw her doing. And so um you know, when you're like 12 and 13, you, you want to go to the movies, you, right. want to, you know, you, you want, um, food, fast food, you know, you want all, all right. of these non-essential things. And so my mom, she gave me a $20 loan and we went to the flea market during wholesale day where you can get items for half of the retail price. And so, uh, with the $20, $20 that she loaned me, I bought five pair of pajamas and I paid $4 each and I sold them for 10 bucks. So I sold them to neighbors, friends. And then eventually I went to events and began selling my pajamas at tables and grew from there. So that's how that started. She gave me a $20 loan to start my pajama business. And I'm so grateful for that. I tell parents um, often that you have a very small window to really shape your, your child. And, right. you know, now children are way more advanced, but typically, you know, what kids are doing between the ages of 11 and 13, who you are when you're between those two, eight, those ages, it is really who you are as an adult. So I'm just the older version of who I was at 13. Right. That makes sense. Right. So were you, were you, did you create the pajamas or like you just bought them at the flea market and flipped them? Yeah. So I bought them That's wholesale, $4 yeah. each, and I sold them for 10 bucks. <laughs> That's genius. And That's during that time, so here's the thing for anyone that's in business, I chose a product that not only that I liked, but I chose a product that I could wear or in that I could easily sell the, the closer you are to the product, the more believable somebody else will, will, will think about it. That's so all of my friends at that time, we like pajamas. We, right. we haven't really gotten into boys yet. So we weren't like, you know, super fast girls. We still right. like pajamas and that was a fun thing. And so I had all of these pajama designs and things that you couldn't get at Kmart because Kmart was a thing then. Right. Um, yeah, I remember Kmart. <laughs> I don't know if Walmart apparel was really it, but you know, you couldn't really get these styles. And so it was just like, you're gonna look, we got pajamas, you're gonna look cute at the sleepover or not. So yeah. that's 
that's, that's so dope. Like. Yeah, just just thinking about that too, because I think a lot of times as children, we don't think about being able to flip something. We think you see the lemonade or you see you see other things, but like, yo, you got a product for for wholesale that you you doubled the price. It, it, it's 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 very it's very dope. Um, and then too, I like also to like what you were saying about um children being shaped at such a young age. I think now you're starting to see that wave, that influx of individuals and parents like starting to push entrepreneurship on them. Like I see parents all the time, like or talking about get LLCs in your kids' names or uh hire your child and all these different things. What do you think about this like the current wave that we're in where where everybody's loving entrepreneurship and pushing entrepreneurship on their children? I love it because we live in a digital world and, you know, one of the things is if, if you, we can't control what's going on uh, as far as the speed of technology, but we can play a huge part in our individual narrative. And so I love that parents are, um, turn this light down a little bit. I love that parents are encouraging their kids to be self-sufficient because it's less about the business itself and more about building character, more about building uh, very necessary skill sets that are going to, that's going to be very, very critical as they enter the real world. And so I think the earlier that you can prepare kids, the better. And so I always say that uh, one of the things that I've, uh, that's been one of my differentiators is that I learned how to communicate early um, with adults, right? Because from in the right. South, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get in grown folk business. Yeah, right? you talk, you, you talk, yeah, you talk to the kids. Yeah, you don't you talk, talk to, to the grown kids. Folk. But there's there's an advantage to learning how to communicate with adults and as adults. And another thing that I, I think that helps, um, and, and I'm happy that parents are encouraging and supporting their children in this entrepreneurial space is that you learn how to take no's early. Mm, so sometimes like when you grow up and you're so sheltered or you don't get the opportunity to be told no or to be rejected, you go out in the real world, that's all there yeah. is. You're crying, it's, yeah. It's nothing but no's and rejections. And so if I'm at the table and I'm like, hey, ma'am, you want to come over? And she keep walking. I got, a, I got rejected. You know, I'm 14, 15. I can either take it personal or I can mm. go to the next person. And so right. you learn early how to have rhino skin. You learn early how to take your nose. And, and you know, for, for the parents that are encouraging their kids, it builds character. And you need you need that need that out here in the real world. Right, for real, for real. You <laughs> talked about uh, some things that like separated you. At age 23, you were named Next Generation Female Entrepreneur by Fortune, which is like huge to me, you know, especially as 20, you being 20, uh, 20-something, being being named that Next Generation Female Entrepreneur. Can you talk about what else separates you, do you, do you feel like as an entrepreneur? Uh, my faith. You know, I, I think that, um, Sometimes people may think that there's like this test textbook of answers and it's right. like, it, it's really within, you know, the stronger my faith gets, the better my business gets. Mm. The more I'm centered with God, the more abundance I receive. And, and the more obedient I am in my practice, the more obedient I am in my footsteps, the more rewarded I, I, I get. And I've learned that. And so now I'm like, 
I'm like, man, I'm gonna choose obedience. I kind of, I like, I like what I'm getting. Right. I like what's on the other side of obedience. And, you know, as I become more of a mature woman um, and more of a mindful woman, my, my practices change. Um, but I, I would definitely say my faith. Um, and the second thing is that because I grew up as an only child, uh, I'm okay with me. Same. Um, I grew up as an only child as well. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a loner. <laughs> I'm a loner and I'm an opposite. Introvert. I always I always get the opposite. I'm an extrovert and I don't like being by myself. I I'm I'm the opposite. You're you're an extrovert? I'm an extrovert. I don't like being by myself at all. But that's also too cuz my family like where I'm originally from New Jersey. I moved down here when I was 5, moved to Charlotte when I was 5. So mm-hmm. I all my family is up north. So I literally was just being my being my mom my whole life. So yeah, I generally like, oh no, I want to be around people. I don't want to be by myself. Yeah, you know, um I was like that. And, um, you know, one, one thing that this journey has really taught me is how to protect myself. Mm. And so, um, maybe if I was in a different market, I probably would be a little bit more extroverted. My extroverted parts of me have ran its course in my current city, um, (laughs) for, for, for more reasons than one, but, um, you know, I, there, there was a moment in my journey where I was extroverted. I was all out and I learned early that, uh, people want to see you do well, but never better than them. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that was one of the big, big shifts in, in, in my social life. Um, when, when I learned, when I learned that, I don't know what your question was, but I'm gonna end it on that. No, yeah, we t- I was gonna ask you get in, get into like what's your biggest lesson that you feel like within entrepreneurship that you've learned thus far? Like if you had to put a finger on it, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned thus far? Mm-hmm. Well, a few things that I've learned that that comes to mind is that um, it, it is so important to know who you are. Right. And I, I, I am so grateful to my mom for in, introducing me to entrepreneurship because very early in life, I was able to form my identity. And mm. so I don't know what it's like to be in the world and not know who I am. Mm. And so I meet a lot of adults and that's okay, right? Because right. A, a part of life is figuring out who you are. Um and so sometimes when you know who you are, it intimidates other people. And I've had to learn that. And so, you know, a big part of my journey, I would be like, you know, why do people not like, I would feel like I wasn't liked, you know, or I would feel like I, I had a challenge uh, forming relationships, or I would feel like, um, you know, I, it was hard to be accepted. And it really, really, I, I struggled with that a lot in my in my early twenties, and um, I, I I began to realize that it is it's not me all the time. You know, right. a lot of times it's people project their insecurities, um, right. or just don't know how to communicate. Right. I'm a little intimidated. I like you. I'm a little I'm a little intimidated because I'm not. I'm not, I'm not certain in who, in who I am. Um, the last thing I learned about this journey is, or, or one of the lessons I learned, um, is that if you have an opportunity to control your time, do it. Don't wait later. 
Like just take the leap so you can control your time. It is, it is the best part of my life is controlling, controlling my time. And that lesson, you know, I, I, in, I quit my job. I had a job, um, where I was selling at a table. I was selling just random things and it, it only lasted a year. I haven't been employed a whole lot of times, but, um, during that one year, I felt unappreciated. Um, I felt undervalued and it really was draining me. And then one day when I was outside of a Sam's club selling t-shirts for this company, um, I decided to quit that day. And that was in 2009. And that's the last time that I ever had a job. And I realized how much power someone has when they have your time. Right. I think it's like, it's really screwed up. Like I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, it's really screwed up. I I currently work a nine to five right now. It will not be there. I will not be doing that forever, but it's screwed up how we work five days a week just to get two days off. Like, and that most people don't even take two vacations a year or whatever, or two vacations is a standard, right? We don't think three or four months or being able to take a month off or doing, we don't comprehend being able to do stuff like that. We always kind of work within this time frame that corporate America has set. So it's really kind of crazy. Yeah. And you know, I, I've never worked in corporate. Mm-hmm. I've only worked a total of um, maybe 18 months. For someone else over the course of my 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 life wow, that's um, crazy that's amazing but what i can tell you is that um i work at, i got this saying touch the hustle every day i work every day i don't uh, you know i don't know what what a day off is because i'm i'm building my future i'm built i get to create i get to build a business i get to do these things so it's a little bit my mindset is a little bit different um, and I just don't feel like I'm at a position of, 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 of being off. That doesn't mean that I work all day, but right, I of course. every day I want, I want the energy of my desire to match my work and to match my, I want my, the, those things to collide the effort. So when I touch the hustle, when I, that means when I, when I'm working on my idea, or I'm working on a project, I'm putting that energy in, I'm touching it every day. Um, I like and that. So, so, you know, when people say that, like, like the example that you just gave, I, I can, I can understand it. I can empathize with it. I just can't relate because I'm, I'm touching us every, right. every day. But, you know, another thing is entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Right. It isn't. It, it isn't for everyone. And, and I need people who enjoy working. I need people who want to come in at a certain time and leave at a certain time and who don't want the responsibility of a company because uh, great workers build businesses. Right. Smart people help build businesses. And I think for people who are struggling, you know, I always tell them, maybe you try entrepreneurship, maybe you try being an independent contractor or a freelancer, or maybe you just find a role in a position, a job, or, you know, something that you enjoy, because you can enjoy work traditionally. Right. 
because yeah. the other side is totally it's, it's yeah dave one, one time dave had has, has he's been in current he one time he said this but he's been encouraging me and like others with this talking about how like a lot of creatives we only see like entrepreneurship we only see like you know going out there getting the gigs and doing the photo shoots but it's just like we don't know that like people who do these commercials and do all these creative things they're creatives as well and they get paid six figures and they clock in they clock out you know what i'm saying and they may not have like a set nine to five but they they make six figures and they're working for companies like we all the time think of just entrepreneurship or creative fit the creative field in entrepreneurship when it could also be in the corporate america world too so that's crazy you said that yeah absolutely absolutely you know it, it's really just finding something that you enjoy getting paid for it so that you can live or afford the lifestyle that you have in mind um, and that you show up every day and you're enjoying the work that you're doing. Most of the time, people run to wanting to be an entrepreneurship entrepreneur because they hate their job. And right. I say, listen, if you hate your job, let's identify a few things, right? Let's identify what are your skill set? What is it that you do like this? that you right. don't even have to think about or that you might be super trained in naturally and you enjoy it. What is that? Okay. And then let's talk about what's your ideal work environment. What, what's your dream company? You know, there's so many layers when we, when we think about um, forming and building and expanding our career, the next best thing does not have to be entrepreneurship. It can, right. and I encourage it. Um, with, with, with people of color. I encourage business ownership um, or having some sort of secondary income or side right. hustle. Every single person of color should have a secondary source of income. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. I've definitely been, uh, been, that's been pushed on me in the last couple of years that, that thinking of like, yeah, we need multiple streams of income that the nine to five is a fixed income and that you can only make, but so much so that it's encouraging to hear from somebody else saying that too. Like, yo, you need multiple streams of income. So yeah, not even that, let me add, not even, mm -hmm. not even that there, that there's a cap, but there's control. Right. Because that if they decide hey, we want to let you go or we need to replace you or we're closing the company or or closing the department, you have you have something to 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 fall back on. Right. Most people go through depression because of finances, lack of finances, lack right. of happiness in, in their day to day job. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point, too. So what would you feel like is the first thing you would tell an entrepreneur, somebody who said who wants to become an entrepreneur, like you just got finished saying entrepreneurship is not for everybody. What's the first thing you would tell somebody who wants, who's like, I'm sold, I want to become an entrepreneur. What's the first thing you would tell them? Uh, I would tell them um, to try it. Try it. You know, if it doesn't work, then you go back to either what right. you were doing or you do or you do something different. Um, people need permission. And, 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 and that's really that that's really what it comes down to. Um, oftentimes we don't take those next steps because we we're looking for permission. We're looking for someone to say, you could do it. Give it a try. Like because sometimes let's say if I'm at the mall or I get dressed and I'm showing someone my outfit and I'll be like, you like this? I've already decided that this is what I'm gonna try on. 
right? right? So I'm asking the next person, how does, how does this look on me? Because I want their opinion. I'm looking for words of affirmation. I'm looking for them to affirm that I look nice in this, this fits right. me, it flatters me, right? Whereas, you know, and, and that's how we are, that's just in us human, you know, as humans is that we look for other people's to validate our decision. That's okay. It don't work like that on, <laughs> in entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurship. But that, the first thing I would do is tell them to just give it a try. Yeah, I've always told myself, I'm like, I'm going to step out and eventually, you know, be fully become an entrepreneur and start my media company. And like, if it doesn't work, at least I can can die knowing that I tried. So and that's the first thing I think a lot of people are scared of trying because of there's so much uncertainty and things of that nature. But it's just like, no, I've always had that mindset. Like, yeah, I'm going to try this. If I fail, at least I know for myself, like, Drew, you couldn't do it. You can go over here. But I need to know for myself. And I think a lot of people don't want to know for themselves. Yeah, you, one of, um, so there is a company who I worked with a few years ago, Verb, and Shannon is one of the partners, and she has this saying, uh, what's the best that can happen? And mm -hmm. I remember hearing that, see, I'm getting chills now, it's so prolific, what's the best that can happen? We always think, what's the worst that can happen? Right. What's the best that can happen? And, and I love that um, shift in mindset. Entrepreneurship, a great deal of it is mental. Great deal of it is how you think. It, it, it's about your mindset, your mental practice. Um, so I love that. What's the best that can happen? Um, the other thing you know that I would tell entrepreneurs is, and, and everyone's not going to agree with me, but you need to think money first <laughs> because a great deal of, yeah. a great deal of business is revenue. Right. If you don't make money. You don't have a, you don't have a business. You, you're supposed to profit in business. Now, right. if you're afraid of money, you got to go, you have to go, start <laughs> go somewhere else. Right. And you still right. got to get money in a nonprofit. Yeah, that's all they focus on in a nonprofit fundraising yeah. and money. Right. Nonprofits don't talk about nothing else except funding. Right. And that's crazy. So one of the things that um, people who are in business, you know, there's this like they say, don't focus on your passion first. You know, don't worry about I'm, the I'm guilty later. of that. <laughs> you always hear that. Right. And that's that's, right. that's a bunch of baloney because business is profit. Right. Why is it that nonprofits are comfortable talking about money? Mm. But they're nonprofits, but you, you're a profit in the profit business. You don't want to talk about money. Oh, I want to, you know, it's just like, you can't do that. You, you have to get comfortable, not only talking about money, you have to get comfortable with numbers. Um, you got to get comfortable with communicating numbers, asking for money, asking for the sale, pricing out your services. It, after trying you and numbers need to become bffs mm. that's what i would tell people so one of the can you mention a company earlier you said verb was the company that you, you worked with hey, can we get into a little bit of your portfolio like if you go on your if you go on this, go crystal's website you'll see her portfolio of all the businesses she's worked with and the biggest name that jumped off the page to me is sprite i said how you get how you get to work with sprite <laughs> i want to know if you could just get, kind of give me an insight into how you built your clientele and what's that like Yes. So when I started in uh, marketing, I have worked 
in about 11 different areas of marketing. Um, and when I say work on here, work is equivalent to I've gotten paid in right. 11 different areas of marketing. So I started out um, doing movie premieres, actually. I started mm. off doing uh, marketing movie premieres. Uh, Charlotte at that time was a C market, I believe. Now we're um, we're a B market really? uh, in in the movie in the movie space, I believe. So they, we were a C market, and so there was an opportunity for me to market Disney's The Princess and the Frog, um, mm. and then Dwayne Johnson's The Two Fairies. So I started off movie marketing, and then I shifted to collegiate marketing. Um, I've done um, uh, nonprofit marketing. So I, I just gradually, I, I gave myself permission to expand in the different areas. And so I built my portfolio initially based off the opportunities. So okay. there's a line, I, I'm, a, I'm a big rap reference. I reference a lot of- oh, a I lot love of, it. <laughs> I reference I a it. lot of lines, but, um, and I'm a big Drake fan, but I like when Drake said, when I started out, I took what they gave me. It worked in my favor. <laughs> so nobody mm. saved me. And so that's how I started off. Like I literally started off taking what people, the opportunities that people would, would give me. Some were free. Um, some I got paid. Some there was an exchange. But it, in the beginning, I just wanted the experience. And I knew that I didn't, you know, if this brand didn't pay me, I could leverage their logo. I could leverage them in my portfolio to get right. the bag later. So oh, I played a long game in, in, in my business. So I played, I played the long game and that has helped me. Sometimes people look for short wins. Um, Charlemagne the guy has this um, saying in his book, Black Privilege. Um, he says that um, a lot of people overlook opportunity because it's not, it, it's, it doesn't come in the form of money. I totally messed that up, but basically, you know, it, if it, um, that's not what he said. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, <laughs> I just, I just, I just messed your whole, um, quota. Cause I'm going to send him this link when we finish, but, um, but yeah, you know, like it, it opportunity is not, a dollar sign, people may overlook it. And, and I didn't do that when I started out. Um, I got the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola became my client because I spent maybe two or three years um, conversing with the director of marketing. Mm. He wasn't ready to give me um, a contract uh, when I first approached him because I hadn't yet built uh, the portfolio. I hadn't yet gotten the skill set that I needed. Um, and, and more than that, I wasn't able to communicate my value to him. Mm. Uh, but he called, He e I emailed him. I will always keep him updated. It might have just been two years. I'm not sure, but I will always keep him updated on my progress um, if I did an assignment or work or something, I would always share it with him because I knew Coca-Cola was my dream client. And so when you have a dream client or a dream project that you want to work with, et cetera, you stick to that. You stay, you stay in communications with decision makers that's a part of that brand. So you continue to stay on their radar. Um, and that's what I did. And Coca-Cola... Uh, they were my client for five plus years um, wow. and our relationship on, on my end, I 
made over $75,000 working with them as a consultant. You said like the, the most simplest thing that you said was like, you just kept in touch. And I think I've heard that like on a, you hear that on like a job level all the time. Like when you get somebody's contact, like just reach out every now and then, like it's the power of just like communication and like communicating with people. And you don't know that can go a long way. You just saying hi, hello, or what's up every now and then and, and, and keeping your, your name in the email box, they'll remember you later on. So that, that's a powerful word that you said. Right. And then also be very clear about your conversation and the connection. Hey, so-and-so, I see that you are the director at Coca-Cola. Wow, that is amazing. Coca-Cola is actually one of my dream clients who I want to work with one day. Do you mind if I stay in contact with you and mm. just, um, you know, maybe share my progress with you in case there is an opportunity that could fit and I could be of value to you in, in your bigger goals, right? Or you right. might reach out and say, um, hey, so-and-so, I just got your contact from, um, I, I did a search and, and found your contact. I want to just introduce myself to you. Um, the Jordan brand is one of my dream clients. I don't know if I could be of value to you. Do you mind sharing with me um, your three biggest goals for this year in case I may be able to help you reach them? Wow, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's really just um, you, you want to stay in contact, but you want to do a little bit more than just hi, hello, because you got to remember people's time. And mm. I want you to open my email every single time because I want you to not, I want you to feel like I'm not going to waste your time through, 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 through opening a message that, That's you know, good. even if I'm checking in, I'm checking in and giving value. I'm remembering something that you shared with me or, you know, you, you want to be useful. How was that journey in learning how to communicate your value? Like, was that like trial and error or was there a book that you read or like, how was that journey in learning how to communicate your value to others? Yeah. So it's just starting early, you know, in high school, I was president and vice president of about maybe nine clubs. So I was always raising money. I was always getting sponsorship. So I always had to communicate. And I knew my end goal was to get a $500 sponsorship from Subway or to get a $30 donation. So I knew what my end goal was. And it was really about, you know, um, making it finessing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you learn how to finesse when you're trying to get nonprofit dollars. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So switching gears, um, I know one of the things that you do, you said marketing and, and you deal with social media. So we're in an age where social media can really um, make or break clients, make or break brands. And I know that you you deal with millennials and Gen Zers. How do you, how, what would you say uh, to people who are having difficulty communicating their message to a Gen Z or a millennial? Well, Gen Z and millennials are two different, totally right. different consumers. Um, so when I uh, began specializing in millennial marketing, what I realized um, was that no one could tell me about this specific group, this specific um, demographic of, and, and consumer base than me because I'm a millennial. Right. You know, I'm in my 30s, but I was in my 20s at one point. And I, it, when I um, started to specialize and started to you know, you, you get to a point in business where you learn how to niche down, you learn how to shift your services so that you're known for this very specific thing. 
And so I began to get known within my space, within my industry and my, and, and certainly my market for millennial marketing, marketing to a group of consumers that these very older um, leaders, um, people who are in leadership positions, they didn't know how to communicate. Um, and so by having me, I was the cheat code. And what I would tell people to communicate, there are two different groups. Um, but what I would probably say is you got to get somebody that know how to speak that language. Um, someone that knows how to speak that language and knows how to communicate to that group. And, and I think now we're in a, we're in a, a, a space and time where people are skilled who fall into millennials, which are now mm -hmm. 30 something year olds and then fall into Gen Z. The biggest part of communicating to either of those groups is understanding the individual's life stage. Mm. So I'm 33 and I have a friend who's 33. We're in two different life stages, but we're the same age. She's a mom, she's mm. a wife, she works full time, but we're the same age. I'm not a wife, mm. I'm not a mom, I'm, I run a business. So we're right. the same age, but our life are, we're in different life stages. I got another friend. We're the same age. She's going through a divorce. So that, that you have to communicate to these people based off their life stage and not their right. age. So would you, would you say that life stage, you mentioned niching, niching down. Would you, would you say that life stage has a deal with niching or would you say that's separate from a niching down? Yes, a little separate from niching down, um, unless you're specializing, let's say you're an attorney and you're specializing in, you're a divorce attorney. All you do is deal with people who are going through divorces, considering divorces, or in the process of getting a divorce. That's right. your specialty area. It doesn't matter what age it is, you right. specifically decided that you're going to focus on this particular pain point. Right. That makes sense. Okay, good, good. So I wanted to get into your business. So Miss Business is your is your business. Can you talk about, well, you mentioned earlier about how you got the name and how you got started, but what's your overall goal with Miss Business? Yes. So, oh my goodness, I am enjoying this. Oops, I'm, I'm building a business, uh, like this is my second time. Well, I run um, e-commerce business. I'm a digital real estate investor. So I buy and sell um, domains and websites. Um, Do you have, I, I want to ask you too, I don't mean to cut you off. I want to ask you, you have some, inf you have some info on digital real estate. Cause I've been studying that lately. I don't know if we could talk about that. We'll, we'll after yeah. your business, business question. Yeah. I want to ask yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I have other businesses and partnerships that where I make money, but um, mm -hmm. Like with the marketing company, I ran that for 12 years full time. So Miss Business, like my second business, this is like my second baby. I'm building it from the ground up. I'm making a lot of mistakes. I wasted some money. <laughs> I've changed <laughs> my mind. I've stopped. I've paused. I mean, just because I did it, did it once, it doesn't make the second time easier. It just makes it faster. 
I'm able to make mistakes faster. I'm able to mm. change my mind faster, but I'm still starting at ground zero. Um, my ultimate goal is to build productivity products for entrepreneurs. Uh, so in December of last year, I did a soft launch on my first product called the Success Planner. It's a productivity tool to help people build better habits, um, improve their time management and meet more goals. And so page by page, I created uh, this, this uh, planner that includes um, productivity methods that includes like um, different things to help you manage your time, build better habits. <laughs> like I'm kind of repeating yeah. myself. Um, and it was my first big product that I've ever created. And so I think that what that taught me is, uh, a lot. I learned a lot about production during that time, but to answer your question, um, let me see. What was your question? So um, the goal with you kind of you kind of mentioned the goal is to creating creating product productivity. Yeah, productivity products. products. And and actually, um, when I'm so a part of me leaving the country here soon is so that I can kind of like reset. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going into a very specific demographic, a very specific target market. So from December to February, I really was testing if I wanted to communicate with women who look like me. Do I want to, I mean, women who are a part of my age group, do I want to target, you know, uh, the millennials? Right. And, you, and I'm having a shift. So I'm at a point in my, in, in my business currently where I'm shifting my target audience. Um, I'm shifting a lot of messaging. I'm really shifting the business um, a lot and I'm at the infancy stages. And so the quicker you can make mistakes, the quicker that you can change um, or, or shift, the better. So I'm at that shifting point now. So what kind of inspired you to get into like productivity products of, of like all things? Did you like struggle with productivity coming up as an entrepreneur and that kind of inspired the success planner and other things that you plan on doing? No, I never struggled. I always excelled at it. So um, I'm former military. And so I'm very disciplined by by um, practice, by nature, um, by habit. Like I'm just I'm, I'm just a disciplined person. Uh, so because like I shared with you, I was president, vice president of a lot of clubs in high mm -hmm. school and in, um, in college. So I was always organized, you know, I was always meeting deadlines, always doing this and that. And so it, the things that make me gifted in business are some of the things that people struggle with in, in, mm. in their, in their life. And so what I decided to do was take something that I was very good at, which is being productive, being disciplined, being able to manage myself. Self-management is, is very hard. Um, and then teach people how to do that for themselves through tools that they could learn. So I started with a planner because I, I use planners. Um, I've always wanted to create a planner. And um, I knew that other women uh, use planners also. You the, so you mentioned digital real estate. That's something I just got hip to like recently, like the whole coining of the, the phrase and the term. Could you kind of give my audience a little bit of insight of what digital real estate is and a little bit more about what you do in it? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm sure the definition or what it is expands, but um, for me, I have a portfolio of domains that I buy and sell. 
Um, I have e-com sites and drop shipping sites that I buy and sell. And so those are the two spaces that I heavily deal in. Um, and then now I'm building um, my intellectual property. So I'm building my, my, what I would call my digital assets. So your intellectual properties are going to be like your trademarks, your patents, your copyrights. Um, I'm, I'm building that portfolio. So selling, so you would get something trademarked and then if somebody came to you wanting to buy the trademark, you'd barter, I'm not barter, but you, you'd sell them the trademark. Is that what you're talking about? So with, with the trademarks, um, so with me build, um, building my portfolio of intellectual properties, if I do choose to sell um, a trademark or sell a business that I'm building and I'm trademarking or, or just to protect the catchphrase, like those are just assets that I control. They're mm. assets that I own. I can license them. Right. I can uh, I see what you're saying. Um, you know, uh, there's so much that I can do when I own the name. Ownership, right. let me tell you, because this, this for anyone who's watching who is of um, color, ownership, if there's anything that you do this year, own something. Own something that no one can take from you, something that you can leverage, that you can sell, that you can build. It's so important to own something. And one of the cheapest or most economical thing that you can own is a word. Mm. It costs 275. My attorney, attorney Darlene Harris is not here with me to, to verify what yeah. the price is. Trademarks is expensive, yeah. They, they, they're an investment. Right. Right, they're an investment. So what I, I encourage, you know, I'm, I'm big on wording, right? So it's not expensive, it's just, it's an investment because you're gonna spend that money. You're, you're gonna right. spend, you know, let's say if, if an attorney costs a thousand dollars, at some point you're gonna spend a thousand dollars. It may not be at once, right? but you gotta spend a thousand dollars on the first, right. somewhere right. for rent. So, you know, right. or, or somewhere else, but you know, that, that's neither here nor there, but the, the most economical thing that you can own is a word. And if you choose to do it yourself, if you choose to go to an attorney to have an attorney file, the actual filing fee of a trademark is under $300 or right at $300. And so when that's approved, you own that word. So your $300 right. investment, you can license it, you can build a business or a brand around it. Um, you can sell it. You know, there's a lot that you can, there, there's a lot of ways to play in the business world. Why are you, why do you keep yawning? Why are you so tired? I'm yawning? <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, I'm like is, he, is he tired? Oh, no, I didn't yawn. Uh, did, did it look like I was yawning? No, I'm, I haven't yawned that once, I promise to God. Oh, no, I on my end, I'm like, uh, I'm my, I'm not in my head, so I don't know if that's what you might be saying. Oh no, I'm not yawning at all. I have not yawned not once. This is I'm learning. You're teaching me. No, no, you're good. But that's it. Like, it's only it's so economical. Like it's so so economical to just own a word, have a trademark, and you own it forever. Right. Yeah. And I never thought about the the side of like when you mentioned trademark. Like I know people a lot of times. Um, own it for like their own personal businesses to, you know, when they want to start personal businesses. But when you said like to license it to somebody else, I never thought about that aspect in trying to own a specific phrase. So that you turned me on to that. I never thought about that. Yeah. So that's one way. Right. And then the other, when we talk about domains, it's like, 
you can get domain for 99 cents to $12. Right. You know, I mean, and up my Miss right. Business, do, my Miss Business domain is a five figure domain. I had to invest in that. It's very right. expensive domain, but I believe in the vision and I believe, you know, in recouping that money, but you can make a small investment of under 12 bucks you know, or you make a thousand dollars or you make a $25,000 investment, depending on where you are, you know, business wise. But when you do buy a domain, you can resell it. And I tell people, if you buy domains, because there's a lot of people who just buy domains because they, the catchy phrase. So they're just right. buying it, buying it, buying it and not doing anything with it. At least when you buy a domain, put up a landing page so that you can get traffic. And so what you could do a part of when you sell it, you just say, hey, this is the value of a domain. A domain accumulates more value when there's traffic going to a website. So you can have value on the name itself without, without ever using it. But when you can put it to use and put it on a, a just a landing page, even put an email sign up, you, you begin to... Um, you begin to build something that can that that can create value. Yeah, that's, and when that's something great. creates value, you're able to you know you're able to kind of like up the price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's been teaching us the entire time. I hope you guys have been like paying attention. She's been dropping gems. I'm sitting here. That's I'm like I'm sitting here nodding my head because I'm like yo, I'm right. I'm taking mental notes. I appreciate you you coming out here so much. Could you kind of get into uh, what's the next step? So you dropped a success planner. What's what's the next steps for Miss Business in 21? You have any other products? Can we get any exclusive news? Maybe. Yes. So I have um, a business kit that I'm going to put out later in the spring, maybe summer. Um, like I said, I'm going away to retreat and sort of think about how I want to go into the next, um, the later half of 2021. And um, yeah, so that's, that's about it. I will be um, oh yeah, I do have some things that I, I forgot. So I have a um, podcast that I will be launching. Um, I can't uh, listen to that. Yes, it's called Live Your Best Dream. Um, I have a book that I'll be putting out later in yes, the year. Yes, I was going to tell you that. <laughs> I was going to tell you, please put out a book because I need the book. Yes. So those those two things in, in the business kit are, are the top three things that I'll be releasing at some point this year. I'm excited. I'm excited. Could you give the people your social media handle and or where they can follow you at and your website and all that stuff? Yeah. So it's Crystal Harrell, K-R-Y-S-T-A-L-H-A-R-R-E-L-L. -L. That's my website. And um, you can find me anywhere on social. I'm really on Instagram. Um, and I have a Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, though. I'm so sorry I pronounced your last name wrong. It's Harold. My bad. It's I said Harrell. I thought about okay. Andre Harrell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's like a tomato tomato at this point. Um, people say both, and I answered. I answered to both. Okay, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, thank you for for coming on here once again, guys. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this entire episode. She dropped gym after gym after gym after gym, and she changed my mindset. So I definitely appreciate you coming on here because you changed my mindset on a couple of different things that I had been thinking about. So I appreciate you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any um, other questions or is anything I can help you with while we're here? No, um, that that was pretty much it. That that was pretty much it. 
Um, thank you guys for for watching. This has been another episode of Walk with Drew. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff, and get this out to all your friends. Once again, my name is Drew Muzon, and this is Crystal Harold. See you guys soon. Peace.